Hello and welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. I'm Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm and I'm so glad that you came to join us today for this episode. We've got some updates for you around the farm and I thought I'd share with you. Um, so we hired our very first farm hand. He is going to be coming in about once a week to help us with things like processing all of our mushroom compost and helping with some weeding and planting and things because our schedule is absolutely insane in the summer and it is time for us to get our fall plantings done. So we've got him coming over once a week to help us by getting the beds prepped and getting the soil amended and some fun things like that, as well as do some um, trimming and weed eating and edging and things to get our property ready for the next phases in our permaculture transformation of especially the side lots. Um, so that's a that's a big change for us. We have pretty much just been doing everything with Bob and I and um, Tammy. And I've talked about Tammy a couple times in the past. She lives with us and she takes care of our animals while we're out of town and tends to the garden while we're out of town with harvesting and watering and things. But we really needed to bring in somebody new that can help out even more with some of the more physical tasks while we're gone um, so we can make better use of our time when we are home. So we're really excited to be able to bring in a little bit of help and um, just make more efficient time use when we are home. Right now we have um, harvests are being done for a lot of our beets. We have both uh, Detroit red beets as well as golden beets, which I am so excited about. Um, the Detroit red beets are perfectly ready for harvest right now, so we've been picking some of those. And the golden beets just need a little bit longer, um, but they're, they're looking fantastic. We have had an absolutely bumper crop of Swiss chard this year, and our radishes are finally ready to harvest the seed pods. So I did a little something different this year. I think I've talked about it in past episodes, but I let our radishes go to seed this year because I wanted to collect their seed pods and let them dry on the vine so I can harvest their seeds because we are adding a ton of radishes to our side lot that we're turning into our food forest in order to help aerate the soil and bring some of that rich organic matter deeper into the ground. And so to do that, I went ahead and planted out uh, quite a few different varieties of radish. And we did harvest some to eat, but most of them I let go to seed. Um, if you've never seen radishes go to seed, it looks really cool. So you get the tiny little radish that's growing in the soil, and then they have huge plants that grow out of them with these tiny little spiky pods that almost look like a skinny okra um, fruit on them. And you leave those on the vines, They will, or the, not the vines, but the plants, and eventually they will dry up, and when they're dry and crispy, the seeds inside are ready to be harvested. So now we have the fun task of picking all of those seed pods and saving all of those seeds back. And then we're going to go broadcast seed our side lots to add a whole, whole nest of radishes to that property. As those radishes grow, they're going to kind of burrow into the soil a little bit. And when we harvest them, it'll pluck little holes in the ground. Or if we let some of them go to seed and then die and then rot, it'll add some organic material back into the soil. And our first phase of turning the side lot into a food forest has been to really heavy focus on the soil because the soil over there is just not good at 
all. So we've been doing things like adding mushroom compost and we've been getting these radishes ready and we've been just really working hard at building up that soil. We'll be, um, we've been adding some compost a little bit along the way. We're going to be adding some manure to that once our chicken manure ages off a little bit more. So we got a lot of things going on um, related to soil building over there. Our bachelor buttons are huge and have have come to be about a, a four and a half to five foot wide section of um, one of our beds, but we've let it go and it's it's flowered and it's beautiful and we can throw those bachelor buttons on our salad. They're delicious. Um, they taste like lettuce, but they're really pretty and they're purple and they just kind of give your eye something to look forward to when you're eating that salad to make sure you've got some, some other fun, pretty colors in there. And when you mix it with the nasturtium flower, You've got some red and some yellow and some blue flowers on your salad. It definitely makes for an interesting look. So that's pretty exciting. Um, speaking of our nasturtium, the nasturtiums that we had planted out front um, have really started to spread a little bit. We let ours um, go to, to seed. We, we don't pick our flowers super frequently. And the reason is we want them to go to seed because we want to fill in our front flower beds with a lot of nasturtium because they are a, a function stacking uh, plant. And that's actually the, the topic of today's uh, podcast is function stacking. So this is something in permaculture that is really, really important. And really, it should be something that's important with most things in life, I believe. So with function stacking, function stacking is where you only include things into your permaculture design that have multiple functions. And I'm going to use an example of a chicken. Um, We actually talk about that example in my permaculture design classes. But it's, it's a really easy one to explain. So first of all, when you're assessing what you should be adding to your permaculture design, one of the things that you should do is what's called a needs and yields analysis. So that is where you take any one aspect of your design and you analyze what its needs are and then what its yields will be. So what does it need in order for that item to exist, um, survive and thrive in your environment? And also what will you get in return or what will it give in return? Because sometimes you don't physically receive these things. For example, when you plant legumes, you often get the fruit from those legumes, you get the vegetation from the legumes that you can add to your compost pile after you've harvested. But what you also get from those are little nodules of nitrogen that they have fixed from the air and brought into the soil. And when you harvest those uh, plants and you cut them at soil level and leave the roots in the ground, as those roots break down, they release that nitrogen into the soil. And so it creates a natural nitrogen boost to your soil. So that's a yield that you get from those plants that you can't physically see. Um, so needs and yields are, are not always physical things or, or kind of tangible items. But with chickens, there are so many tangible things that you get. So some examples of my needs and yields analysis for chickens. So chickens need um, food and they need access to water. Chickens need a place to roost because they like to, to sleep on roosts or bars that are elevated. They need a coop or somewhere to be safe. A coop could be something like a shed or a structure that you buy or build. 
they also need in it um safety so in my area we have a lot of raccoons and opossums a lot of stray cats and so we keep our chickens in an enclosed run that we protected with both chicken wire as well as hardwire cloth and that keeps the the critters away from our chickens when we're not out with them when we're home we leave the chickens out to roam around and free range as much as possible and then at night they make their way back into the run and into the coop and put themselves to bed and then we just simply close the door behind them after they've gone to bed but that's a need that they have they also need companionship chickens do not do well um, in, as solitary animals. They are a flock animal. So a lot of places won't even sell you baby chickens unless you're getting at least six of them. And that is because they are a flock bird. So if you try to, to bring one at a time out, it's not, it's not good for their social skills. Um, they benefit from some mental stimulation. So we do things like I will freeze some corn into a bunt cake pan with some water and I'll layer water and then a layer of corn and a little layer of water and then a layer of corn and then freeze it um, as I freeze the individual layers. And then when it's, um, you know, good and frozen hard solid, I will take it out, run a string through it and hang it from the, the ceiling in our coop. And the chickens love to sit there and peck at it and they're getting some cool water which helps them in the, in the summer to stay cool. But they're also getting corn, which is a treat for them. And they're getting the stimulation of trying to figure out how to get the corn out of the hard block of ice. Um, so that's something that is really beneficial to them. They need um, you to collect their eggs because if the eggs get left out there for too long, then the eggs can spoil or it will attract predators and also... Um, they will go broody, which means that they want to sit on the eggs and try to hatch them. And since we don't have any roosters, they're never going to hatch. So there's that. But what you get in return, you will get eggs, of course, from your laying hens. You will get the benefit of them scratching and turning the land for you. You will get pest protection because they will go through my garden and eat all of the little buggies that they find, especially the slugs. So that is really helpful to us. They also will do some composting for you. So we give them a lot of our veggie scraps. We give them um, all of our, our veggie cuttings that we don't eat. Um, for example, I do cook beet greens uh, from time to time. I braise them. But we don't always eat our beet greens, and so when I'm not going to eat them, I will chuck those into the chicken enclosure, and they will just tear them up and enjoy every minute of that. If I have some lettuce that I'm not going to eat, but I think that it's about to bolt, I will chop it off and throw it in there for the ladies to nibble on. Um, so there's things like that that we can do for the chickens, and that makes them super happy. But they turn that that material. And they will eat all of those things and then they will turn it into manure. And then, of course, as they, you know, defecate um, in their coop, then we go through and we clean out their coop. We, you know, rake and scoop and clean the coop and the run out. We add that material to our compost pile, which then super activates our compost pile and makes our compost pile um, break down even faster as we rotate that manure in which is going to be, um, you know, pretty full of bacteria and microbes, it's going to really help kickstart our compost. 
Um, when the chickens get to a point that they're not laying anymore, they have the option of providing meat to us. Um, if you um, choose to cull your um, chickens, so there's that. Um, they offer a lot of entertainment value. Honestly, I love watching them run around. They are super sweet. In fact, Amy loves to be picked up and held. She lets me carry her around. She follows me like a little puppy and it gives me hours and hours and hours of entertainment. So those are just a few of the things that, you know, these chickens can produce. So what you're getting with that is function stacking. They serve more than one function. Not only do chickens function to provide me eggs, but they function to provide me with all of those other things. And that is a great situation to have because the more functions that something can stack and add to your garden, the better the ecosystem that you are creating. So when you are looking at planting your garden and when you are working on designing your permaculture space, it's important to ask yourself, if I plant these, what benefit will I have? In my case with the radishes, if I harvest my radishes early, I can eat them. But if I let them go to seed, I can get these seed pods, let them dry, and then I can plant tons more radish, and those radishes are going to help aerate my soil, and then the organic material that they leave behind is going to add some carbon into the soil, etc. You can look at things like a pond. You know, a pond is a very function stacking uh, piece because it adds a water source for pollinators and other wildlife. It adds a water source for your food forest and it allows you to have kind of a reservoir to collect water in to use so that you're not having to use municipal water supply all the time. It adds an aesthetic look. It also allows you to add um, some water plants like watercress or water hyacinth or water lettuce. It also allows you to have bog plants on the out outer edges like cattails, for example. And so there's a lot of different functions involved in putting in a pond. And when you look at things like, well, I would like somewhere to swim. Well, I can either add a swimming pool, which adds chlorinated water that's going to be toxic to add to your plants and for animals to drink, or you can add a pond, which is going to add all of those benefits. So looking at the function, sta function stacking um, breakdown of those two things really makes it a clear-cut choice for us anyway about whether we would rather have a pool or a pond. And I do recognize the fact that when making these decisions, not everybody enjoys swimming in a pond. Some people are flat out grossed out by the idea of swimming in a pond. Others don't mind it at all. But if you are one of those people that absolutely can't stand dirty pond water, in your opinion, then, you know, a pool may be an option for you. But look at the look at the benefits to that pool and see if it really fits with your overall goals of the space. Um, so I am almost done with my permaculture design certificate. I have been doing my PDC now since March, um, and it has been going really, really well. Um, I have learned so many incredible things. I have really, um, 
taken a new look on a lot of different things. So it's been a really fun and exciting process. And, you know, talking about these function stacking pieces is a really big part of our permaculture design. You know, we talked a while ago about the most important uh, resource and the most important tool for your garden being a plan. Well, when it comes to permaculture designs, those are plans that are more than just, I'm going to plant turnips here. They are a multi-layered, multifunctional tool to design spaces that are going to be more beneficial on the long term. They're, um, they're just an incredible tool. And if you've never looked into having a permaculture designer um, evaluate your space, I definitely recommend doing that. Um, that's a service that I'm going to be offering in the very near future. I do, um, I do consultations now. And will you know help people when they have questions about things now, but I'm going to be doing it in more of a professional capacity um, once I finish my permaculture design certificate and finish my classes, which will be November. Um, another thing um, that is a function stack is aquaponics, so you can grow bluegill or catfish, for example, in your fish tank down below and then using the fish poo and nutrients secreted by those fish that is some great nutrient dense water to feed your plant starts or your plants which are growing in an aquaponic system through the water that is being circulated from the pond you then have vegetation dangling down to give the fish shelter and you have a really nice symbiotic relationship between the plant and the fish and both benefit from the other. So it's a great way to, um, to function stack. And also you've got a giant tank of water. So in a real emergency, you could harvest your fish and eat them and use your uh, fish remains then in a composting setup, depending on how you compost. And then you've got a tank full of water that can, you can use then to water your plants and your garden and things. Um, so when you're looking at different varieties and types of plants that you want to plant this month, look at different options and really think about the crop and is there something that does this as well that can do more than just provide me with that one product? And sometimes the answer can be as simple, you know, they're aesthetically pleasing. You know, daylilies are beautiful, but they also can be eaten. So if you like to eat the daylily flowers, then eat the daylily flowers and enjoy the aesthetics of that. And now that's a stacked function. We try really hard at Hogs and Hens to not put things in our in our plans unless they at least accomplish two things. If they don't accomplish two things, they must be a really special and really good at the one thing in order for us to consider letting them live in our food forest or in our garden. Because we need to densely pack that in order to have enough food to carry us through for an entire year. And that is our goal, is to be 100% self-sufficient with food. I don't want to have to go to the grocery store unless I want to go to the grocery store. And even then, I would like to really work my way into not going to the grocery store at all. So that is today's episode. It is very short and sweet. Um, it's, it's not a lot. But I wanted to keep you guys up to date on, you know, some of the happenings at the farm. And I definitely wanted to get your brains thinking a little bit about function stacking. But 
If you are um, pondering some function stacking now, I would love to hear your feedback. So hop over to um, either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us at Hogs and Hens Urban Farm on Instagram and on Facebook, or you can find us at Hogs and Hens on Twitter. Uh, which I guess is now called X, but, um, you know, leave us a message and let us know what your favorite function stacking, um, part of permaculture would be. Um, for me, it's definitely our chickens. Um, for Bob, it's probably our pond, but I would love to know what you guys have that has multiple functions and is your favorite item. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, please do so. If you've not checked out our website, www.hogsandhensdayton.com, give it a peek. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on whichever podcasting platform you're listening on. It costs you nothing, but it really helps us out to get our message out to more folks because the more reviews we have, the more distribution we get and the higher we get um, listed in the search results. So if you could leave us a review, it would be a tremendous help. Thank you so much. I hope your garden is growing great and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.